Evening, church. Okay, would you travel back with me to the time when Jesus walked this earth in the flesh? Now, this is near the beginning of his public ministry. And in the passage, if you can open up to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, LCD team, if we can have Luke chapter 5 up. So if you have your Bibles, it talks about Jesus just walks out of this house. Which house is this? It's the house that just had a hole in the roof in it. So if you know your stories well, if you know your Sunday, if you go to Sunday school, you, you would know this story. It's about the story about these four friends who, who bring their crippled friend. And, and there was a huge crowd that was blocking this house. And so they, they couldn't get through the front door. And so they climbed up this roof and they made a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down to Jesus. Now, this guy who, who carried a mat in, carried his mat out. And then Jesus said, while, while he was doing this miracle, he said, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now that's that shock waves in the room. People were like, <gasps> and, and gasping because Jesus just claimed deity. No one can forgive sin except for God. And then Jesus goes, and just to prove that I can forgive sin, pick up your mat and walk, son. And so next minute, he, he, he picks up his mat and he's skipping away. And the Bible says, Jesus walks out of this house and he sees a tax collector named Levi in a tax collector booth doing tax collector things. Now, I want you to underline that in his booth. So there will be no mistake. There will be no mistake on who this guy is. And just to appreciate this passage that we're going to go through, you need to know exactly what that job title tax collector entails. Because unlike today, like our, when we think of tax department, like no one really likes to pay tax. Um, a lot of us try to, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> We don't like paying tax, but it's not as bad as back then because the stigma of a tax collector back then was horrendous. There's really no job title nowadays that can really compare. Maybe a pimp or a drug lord comes close because they are the people that it's, it's someone who makes a ton of money oppressing others, making a ton of money by the dispense of others. So these guys, they, they, were, they were crooks, they were thugs, they, they, they were the villains, they were the terrorists, and they were the traitors in town. They were Jews who stole money from Jews and giving it to their enemy, the Roman Empire. That's who they were. Who's here been keeping up with the World Cup? Anybody? Yeah. Yes, football fans. Yell out which team you think it's going to win the World Cup. All right. I, hear, I heard Brazil, and I heard someone said the Socceroos, Socceroos. Oh man, you guys have faith. <laughs> and if you're a Socceroos fan listening to our podcast one day, you know, we have something in common. You should come and visit our Oikos church one day. But anyways, okay, so I heard Australia and Brazil, like just, just imagine for me. Okay, so our church, Oikos church, we're, we're playing for the Socceroos. 
We're in the Socceroos. We made it to the World Cup and we're in the grand finals. Australia versus Brazil. Just imagine that for a moment. Okay, I know it's hard, but just imagine it. <laughs> 10 minutes left in the game and the score is 2-2. Two, two. And, and every team's doing these switch of, of subs and, and we sub out Joannis for, for Bryce. I'm going to pick Bryce because he, <laughs> he always heckles me in, uh, in my sermon time. So we sub out Joannis for brother Bryce here. Now this was our last substitute. We, we can't switch anymore. And Bryce, <laughs> and Bryce, he's Australian. He's on our side. He's in our team. He's wearing the same jersey as us. But instead of passing the ball to us, he starts passing the ball to Neymar, the opposition. And he even takes shots at the goal. It was in the Brazilian goal. He took shots at our goal. And he's like, oops, oh, own goal. Oh, too bad. Now we, as a country, wouldn't we want to put Bryce in a world full of hurt? Wouldn't we? <laughs> Now that, that was equivalent to how much hatred the nation of Israel reserved for tax collectors. They were traitors. They, they wanted them dead. They were despised. They were despicable. They were despacito. <laughs> when the Romans came and, and conquered Israel, they didn't want to collect the tax. They, they, they were too lazy for that. They wanted someone else to do their the dirty work for them. And so what the, the Roman Empire do is they will send an official and he will go towards the town and he will declare, we need a tax guy to collect our taxes. Now your town, your little town, it has this much population and so you should be getting around $50,000 minimum as tax. Now we're going to hold an auction. Whoever promises to get the most for us, exhort the most for us, will be our man. And so everyone who's interested at that time will, will gather at this town square and the auction will start, the hammer comes down. Do I hear $50,000? Yes, $60,000, $60,000. Oh, $70,000 at the back. Oh, $80,000, $80,000. This is an opportunity going once, going twice. $100,000, $100,000 at the front here. Thank you, sir. This is an opportunity. Anybody who can, $200,000. And at this point, everyone is silent. They're thinking, $200,000, what? And the official reminds everyone, $200,000 to be our tax man. Is there anyone in here who wants to exhort and promises to exhort more money for us? $200,000 going once, going twice. What's your name, son? And at the back of the room, you hear a voice says, my name's Levi. And Levi knows exactly what he's done. He knows he's going to be excommunicated from his city, his town, his synagogue, which is his church and his people. To the Jewish people at this point on, him and his family are dead to them. He sold his soul away. 
But Levi, he, he knows he's going to become rich because the Roman government only expects him now to exhort $200,000 and anything that he gets above and beyond that, he gets to keep. He gets to put that in his pocket. He's going to become rich real quick and he gets to tax whoever he wants and however he wants. So he can just go, oh, your shoes, if you, I'm going to put a shoes tax or I'm going to, you're playing Fortnite, I'm going to tax that as well. He could do that. And the thing is, if you don't pay up, he can send the Roman soldiers in and break your legs. And that was legal. He had the protection of the Roman Empire behind him. And he could break people's leg and it was legal. And we know Jesus, he is drawn to those who are poor, to the marginalized, to the abused, to the belittle. No, 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 wait a minute. Uh, These tax collectors, they're the bullies. They're the thugs. They're the mafia. They're the accuser of the society. This levy, he's the one doing the marginalizing. He's the one doing the abusing. He's the one doing the belittling. This levy, he's a bad guy. Don't ever feel sorry for him. He's a bad guy. And here, Jesus just comes out of a house, helping a guy to walk. And here he finds and sees someone who breaks legs for a living. Do you not see the irony in that? Now this leads us to chapter 5, verse 27 of Luke. But before we dig into the passage, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that you are here. Lord, we pray that your spirit will move around this place and just open our hearts just to see how beautiful is your son tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, I have three points for you. Jesus sees the sinner. Jesus calls the sinner. And Jesus accepts the sinner. Just three points. So the first point, the Bible says, Jesus saw. Jesus saw. The word notice or saw, depending which, which version of the Bible you have, that word is athes or so in the Greek. Now, it means to intently gaze, to look carefully to be observing. Jesus, he sees the sinner. He doesn't just glance at them. He, he fixes his eyes on them. Jesus notices Levi for all he is, all that he's doing, whatever he's doing right now. If it's lying or stealing or, or, or breaking someone's legs for all we know. But he sees all the atrocity that is happening at this very moment. And, and Levy, he, he sees a guy looking at him. And, you know, when someone stares at you, it's kind of uncomfortable. And just, but I wonder how Levy would have felt. He would have known who Jesus was because Jesus, he's the celebrity. He's, he's everywhere. He's, he's on the posters. He's, he's, he's trending on Facebook. He's, he's, he's the head running. He's, he's the messiahship. If people had a poll, there would be Jesus at the very front. He knows who this Jesus is. And I wonder how Levy would have felt at the moment. Was it Was it fear? I remember when I was uh, in high school, I, my dad gave me a curfew, a sleeping curfew, uh, bedtime, 8.30, believe it or not. 
8.30. And I'm like, man, 8.30. But that's, that's, that's my bedtime. Don't laugh at me. That was <laughs> 8.30. And I remember one night, it was 9.30. And I was still on my computer on MSN, chatting away. And I turned back and in the shadow, I saw a human figure. And he was smirking and holding a weapon. I knew I was going to be in for it. I was so scared. I'm like, Dad, no. <laughs> I wonder how Levy would have... Was it fear? Because when the other disciples, like Peter, when he was doing the fishing trip and all, and when Peter realizes, oh man, this guy is the son of God. You know what Peter says? Get away from me, Lord, because I am a sinner. Would Levy be doing the same? Oh, oh no, this is a holy agent. I'm in trouble. Look at his holiness. Look at my unworthiness. Look, look, he's living a life that's pleasing to God. I'm living a life that is displeasing to God. God's probably angry at me. Guilt and shame might have welt up. And this is very common with us. Last year, around this time, around winter time, I, I went to the city of Perth just to visit the homeless people on the streets. And there I met a guy named Glenn with his crew. Um, Glenn is obviously the leader of his group. Um, most of the time when I was talking to them, they were just smoking in my face. They were drinking sips of alcohol. And another guy named Ryan, he wasn't smoking cigarettes. He was smoking something else and he was out of it. He was knocked out, cold, eyes, it's gone. And I was talking to Glenn and, and he was telling me his life. And he said, you know what, Dexter, I, I started life pretty good. I was in a home. I was in a family. I had a family. I... I was raised pretty well, and, and I went to a Catholic school. Now, that's, that's pretty good. Like, that's a private school. And, and, and there at the Catholic school, I, I've, I've learned a little bit about God. I got a rough idea about God, but then life became tough, and it became rough, and then I made all these sorts of bad decisions, and here I am on the streets of Perth. And... um. I'm hearing all this and I was talking to him. And at the end of it, long story short, I offered to pray for him. And when I said that, I would never forget the look in his eyes because they were sincere and they were full of worry. And this is what he said. I wrote it down in my journal straight away when I got home. This is what he says. You sure God still looks at me? Even though I'm smoking, I'm drinking, I've done all these bad things. You sure God still looks at me? He still notices me? Because in his mind, he's thinking, he's felt that he's gone so far away from God that he's done something that's so unconceivable that God cannot even stomach to even look at him anymore. And so I said, yeah, Glenn, he still watches over you, man. He loves you, mate. He sees you are so precious to him. You're his child. Of course, he notices you. Of course, he sees you. And tonight, Oikos Church, I want to also remind you, God doesn't just quickly glance at you. He's not giving you a little bit of attention. No, he's giving you his full attention. No, he sees you. He sees all that you are. Yes, he sees your sins, the sins that you are continually committing as well. 
But you know what, matter what, isn't it amazing that we have a God and a love, a Lord that, that knows how messed up we are. No matter how ugly and filthy we get, He is still interested in us and His gaze is still a loving gaze toward us. Isn't that, isn't that good news? And not only that, our Jesus, He calls us. Jesus does not call you to punish you, to condemn you. No, He calls you to be with Him, to come with Him. Join me. Be with me. So my second point tonight is Jesus, He calls the sinner. And if you were in this crowd today, if if you were back there in, in the first century You would see the crowd seeing a holy being, a holy Jesus walking towards a sinner, a sinner, a tax collector of all things. If you were in the crowd, you would hear them speculating. Yeah, Jesus, you flip that table. Flip it, Jesus. Like we know that you're good at flipping tables. Yeah, flip that booth. Yeah, walk up. Do something, Jesus. Do, do something. Yeah, send lightning down or something. Kaboom, text that. And as Jesus walks up to this booth, to the crowd's astonishment and to Levi's confusion, he just says two words, follow me. Now, Jesus says the same phrase to some fishermen before, but he also says it to a tax collector, follow me. Now, this phrase, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I want you to shadow me. I want you to be like me, imitate me, walk with me. Whatever I do, whatever I say, you emulate that. Verse 27, when Jesus says, follow me, how confused would Levi have, would have been? How unsure would he have felt? Was he looking backwards just in case Jesus was talking to someone else? And he's like, me? Me, me, me follow you? But, but, but Jesus, what would his reaction be? But Jesus, you know I'm a tax collector. I'm a sinner. I have already sold my soul away. But you still want me to follow you? I'm infectious. I'm, I'm dirty. I'm sick. Now, why do I think that Levi feels this way? It's because at the end of verse 32, it says, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Now, this little statement there is... Commentators say it's a commentary on what Jesus is talking about when he meant Levi. When the crowd heard, follow me, they're stunned. Instead of flipping the tables, Jesus, you're allowing him to join your crew? Don't you know, Jesus, tax collectors, they're the worst of sinners. That's why we never allow them into our worship place, our synagogues anymore, because they're unclean. According to the social scale, they're not even human. They're, they're animals. They're unclean animals. They're, they're equivalent to the pigs. They're dogs by definition. That's why we would never allow any tax collectors to ever come in our Jewish court of law. Because they're all liars. None of their words can be trusted. They cannot be a witness. They cannot testify for anything. Jesus, he's an outcast. 
And there was also teaching back in those days that with tax collectors, there was a popular teaching that they have passed the point of redemption. They believed back then these tax collectors, they have gone so far away from God's mercy that God's hands cannot reach them anymore, that they are unsavable. Hashtag they are unforgivable. But what does our Jesus do? He comes. He comes and he calls. Now that's good news. He calls. Because there once was a day where you and I, we were also wretched, filthy and and dirty, submerged in our own sins. We thought we have gone so far. We were so deprived that we can't reach God anymore, which is true. We can't reach God anymore. But the good news is God comes to us and he calls us. Follow me. Now, what did Levi do? It said he left all that he was doing. It said he left it all. I underline that. Now, these two words from Levi changed his life. What Levi gave up compared to the other disciples, the other fishermen? I want you to see the difference here, the, the, the weight of all that. So with the fishing career, if you leave fishing, you can go back to fishing. That's exactly what those disciples did. They went back to fishing. So imagine like four weeks in, Peter and John and all that, they were like, oh man, four weeks in, this guy, he, whew, he's funny. Oh, he's saying a lot of weird stuff. Oh man, this, oh, all right, all right, we're out. And they could go home and they're going to say, yo, pops, you still have my boat. And they could hop in their boat and they could go back to fishing. But what Levy did, leaving that tax collector booth, you know what that entails? He can never come back to that booth. Because the moment he steps out of that booth, it would have been bid and sold to the highest bidder. Not only has this Levy guy turned his back from his people of Israel, his community, he has also turned his back on the Roman Empire who has been backing him up, been protecting him by all of those who want him dead. Now, if Jesus was not a person who he claims to be, then that would have been it for Levy. But at this point, he's all in. He's all in. All in at this point. He left the thug life to gain eternal life. (laughs) Now on one layer, when Jesus says, follow me, it looks like he's telling Levi to quit his job. Maybe that's true for some of us today. Jesus is telling you to follow him could mean you literally leaving your job. A job that is so toxic, the environment just has all this gossip and you're not feeling very well. And when you go home, you take that anger out on your spouse. Maybe God's telling you to follow him and, and leave that type of job. Or maybe God's even telling you tonight to leave a really good job. You're getting high paid getting high salary. There's, there's a, a whole career path lined up for you. But God tonight, I don't know who it is, has called you to full-time ministry, has called you to go to mission. Maybe God's telling you to leave your job, but I don't think Jesus here at this point is just calling Levi to follow him and, and leave his job. No, why? 
Because of verse 32, I have come to call sinners to what? To repentance. So what Jesus is really calling Levi to do is calling him into repentance. We turn, and what does repentance look like? It's when we turn away from our sin. Now we have to also turn to Christ because there's no point turning away from your sin and turning to another sin. Because when you turn from something, you always turn to something else. So if, it's, if you're turning away from this sin and not to Christ, then you're still sinning. So this is the picture of repentance. You're turning away from your sin and turning to Christ and you're following Him. You're attached to Him. And I ask you tonight, Oikos Church, what type of sin booth are you sinning in right now? What are you committing over and over again? Is it, is it that love for money? Is that that love for fame? Is that that love for your studies and your career? Is, is it losing your temper? Is it pornography? Is it jealousy? Or are you sitting in a sin booth of pride? What is it? Whatever it is, Jesus is calling you tonight to follow me. And then verse 29. Levi, it says, Levi then holds this great banquet. Great banquet, like what we have at Oikos Church all the time. There was, at this banquet, there was KFC, Krispy Kremes on the menu. That's my idea of a great banquet. <laughs> Bubble tea was on the menu for, for beverages with pearls and a lot of pearls, double pearls if you want. A great banquet being held at Levy's house. Would it have been a small house? No, it would have been a huge house. He got rich by his profession and he invites, it's the, the Bible says he invites a whole bunch of guests. And who were they? They were all other tax collectors and sinners. Why? Because that's the only people that he knew now. That's the only community that he has left. Now, J.C. Riley, it was him who said this. No true Christian ever goes to heaven alone. No true Christian ever goes to the Christian alone. Levy, having met Jesus, he knows, man, my friends, that chance that they'll come to church. They're not even allowed to come to church. People treat them weird and differently. And so you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my house into a meeting place for my friends and Jesus. That's why I cost church. I encourage you to join the small groups because they are held at home. And at home, your friends, they're more inclined to come to your house rather than church. Maybe they'll come to church for the food and all, but... There's advantage at a home, at your home. Open up your homes. But verse 30, but, there's always a but in the story. As in an ass. The Pharisees and teachers of the law complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors? Now, this comes to my last point. Jesus accepts the sinner. Not for what they're doing, but who they are. 
Now, the reason why Jesus drove people nuts sometimes is because he, he is socially different. Jesus, can't you just fit in? Like, you, you keep bugging us all the time. Jesus, you hang around with rejects and, and dogs. How messy and disorganized are they? Stop ruining our system, Jesus. Just try to fit in. Just play along. And this word complaining in this text, it's not like, you know, they're murmuring and they're grumbling like underneath their breath, like, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? No, no, no. This grumbling in the Greek, it, it shows a bit of more shock, more horror, more bitterness. It was more like, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you know? Don't you know Levy? He's a tax collector. And they look around, oh my goodness, there's so many tax collectors. And they're freaking out, hyperventilating at the moment. <laughs> and, ah, oh, 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 don't touch me, you prostitutes. Oh, that's a drug lord. That's Voldemort. That's Megatron. That's Team Rocket. Oh my goodness, that's Thanos and Star-Lord. <laughs> they were horrified, bitterly horrified. What's in the world? Why are you eating with them? Now we're thinking, oh, that's kind of childish. Like, you know, in, high, like in primary school, when it's like, oh, my friends didn't eat with me. Like, what's the big deal with eating, right? What's the big deal? What's the fuss? Back then in that culture, a meal equates to communicating to the world, hey, this is my friend whom I want to be in a relationship with. A meal, it wasn't fast, it was slow, it was intimate. A meal together symbolizes acceptance. That's what Jesus was showing to the world, acceptance. Today, our equivalent of that, of acceptance, of showing friendship is, is when you're invited to a birthday party. And you know that ceremony of blowing on cake and, and you eat that piece of cake? Yeah, it shows that you're their friend if you eat that piece of cake. Now, now we really haven't thought about this, have we? So when the cake comes out and the person blows on the cake, <sighs> there's no other setting in our eating or in our dining that we get any other body else to blow on our food. Have you noticed? I don't go to Nando's and I go, hey, Joannes, bro, blow on my food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit harder, man. <laughs> Give me some more spit. Yeah. Who needs this peri-peri sauce? I got Joannes' spit. We don't do that, do we? We don't. I've seen people sprinkled on cake. It's not just a, a blow. It was more like... And at the end of it, after they cut it, they, they go, oh, who wants cake? Who wants cake? Oh, yeah, I'll have a piece. And I hear people complimenting on that cake. Oh, your cake is so glossy. It's so moist. How did you do that? But when we eat the cake, it shows acceptance. Now today, if you present a cake like that to Jesus, I can confidently say he will take it. He will eat it without a a twitch in his eye. No matter how messy, how broken, how wretched or how far that you have gone, Jesus still accepts you. Even though 
our works are like filthy rags to God, He still wants us. Now that's good news. And I want to tell you, at the end of time, in, in Revelation, it talks about how God prepares for us a banquet. All this type of food, you know, the best of meats, the best of drinks, He prepares that. And, and remember what a meal means. To sit at his table, then acceptance. That's what it means. That's what it symbolizes. But we didn't have to wait that long till the end of time. Because you know what? Jesus, while he walks this earth, he also invites us to his table. Now that's what the Holy Communion is. He invites us. Tonight we're going to have this. We're going to go through this and just be reminded of what Christ has done for us. This is how God and this is how Christ shows, I accept you. And He invites us, come. And, I, and if you ever question yourself, how low would God go? To the worst is my answer, to the worst. It must have been unimaginable to the scribes and to the Pharisees that Jesus would ever save a tax collector, let alone make him a disciple, make him a great apostle for the church. Today, my my sermon title is The Calling of Levi. And do you even know who Levi is? He also goes by the other name of Matthew. Matthew, the person who wrote the book of Matthew, that's him. The name Matthew interestingly means the gift of the Lord or the gift of Jehovah. A gift is not something that you earn or deserve. Salvation is not achieved, but received. And what is that gift? We know what it is. It's it's Jesus. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in His Son, Jesus Christ. The body which was broken and the blood which was spilt. And here's the thing. Once we receive that gift, you know what? We also become a gift. Levi, a tax collector, people whom thought were so far away from God, Jesus sees him calls him and accepts him and look what happens at the end result being the scummiest of the scum he becomes a blessing to the world being always treated as trash he now gets treated as treasure and instead of hurting people he's now healing people Levi who couldn't testify in the Jewish law courts because no one believed what he says he now becomes a living testament pointing to the living God, the resurrected Christ, and he becomes a witness, a writer for one of our four Gospels. Matthew or Levi's name portrays the Gospel. But what did it take? All it took for him was when Jesus said those two words, follow me. He took it. Yeah, I may be rich in this life, but that's much better. Now, I might have lost my career, but I earned myself an eternal future. 
There was, there was an exchange there. Christ also did an exchange. Did you know that? He also left his throne. He, he exchanged for, for the sins of Levi, the sins of you and me, the sins of the world, and he took it upon himself. And in return, he gave us his righteousness. Be a gift. God bless you, church.